so. Oh. We, uh, we changed the name. You may have, those of you who are sh- sharper, um, might have caught that we changed the name of today from volunteer appreciation in the EB update to worker appreciation. I, I see, I see Adrienne nodding her head. She caught it. Um, and there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Um, I'm really not a big fan of the term volunteer. Not a big fan of the term volunteer. I know we need to use it sometimes to clarify uh, paid roles and unpaid roles and so on. But the word volunteer to me um, seems to suggest that we're doing a favor when we give our time. Right? That's kind of the idea. We're, I'm doing you a favor. I'm doing Jesus... Ah, sorry, folks. Doing a favor by by giving my time. Uh, <laughs> the white mic, just uh, unmute it. Check, check. White mic, white mic, unmute, please. Test. All right. Sorry, guys. All right. Um, So volunteer seems to have, at least to me, and maybe I'm just the only one, but it seems to have this idea of I'm I'm doing someone a favor by giving my time. Jesus is not, I don't believe he's looking for volunteers. I believe he's looking for called, anointed men, women, teens, and children to step up as workers in his mission to reach people with the hope of Jesus. Right? Jesus doesn't need anyone to do him a favor, but he is calling us to step out in his mission field and to live for him, to live on mission, to serve him with our lives. Right? And, uh, uh, you know, he's looking for people who want to partner with him in the greatest and most important world-transforming movement in history, the Church of Jesus. He wants people who will give their lives for the sake of his kingdom. Um, And so today, as the board and leadership team, uh, we... We don't want to appreciate volunteers today. We want to appreciate workers. We value your time and, uh, and what, what we do we could not do without those of you who serve and give and, and work hard for the sake of the kingdom. And we want to say a big thank you today for being part of our 
team for being part of the evangel ministry team, right? If you, are, if you serve in some ministry, you are really part of our staff team. Most, most, most of our staff team doesn't get paid. We pay a, pay a few people so that they can focus more time and energy on what they do to help the rest of us be energized and focused and organized and all of those things. But all of us get to be a part of the staff team of Evangel. And, uh, and we're just so grateful for each one of you who give your, your time and your purpose, uh, your, your, for, for the purpose of the kingdom. Um, want to read Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. It says this. Jesus went through. The, 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 the title of my, our message today is, Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? Why do we give our time, our energy? Why do we invest financially in, in the work of what Jesus is doing? Why do we do what we do? Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in his harvest field. Okay, that's the last few verses of Matthew chapter 9. So as, as Jesus makes his way through the crowds, Matthew describes as Jesus makes his way through the crowds and through the towns, ministering to need, the need that he encounters around him, we catch Jesus in this snapshot at a, at a vulnerable moment, an emotional moment. Jesus doesn't just see the need, but he sees the people and their condition. And it breaks his heart. Folks, there's a difference between seeing need and seeing people. We can see need all around us, and yet, Remain untouched by it. Remain judgmental. Oh, they got themselves in that situation. See how they get themselves out of it. Right? Remain judgmental. Remain just indifferent. But when we see the person we realize suddenly that this person was, is someone who's made in the image of God. There's someone God loves, and there's someone who needs someone to care about them, to touch their life with the hope of Christ. 
The passage says that when that that he was he was grieved, he was upset, he had compassion when he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And this this statement, this phrase, Matthew shows us how it motivates Jesus to prayer, it motivates him to action, it motivates him to engage his disciples in the process of noticing the people and doing something about it. The people Jesus noticed were harassed. Harassed by whom? Harassed by whom? I, I think at least at least three things by the circumstances of life. Life can really stink sometimes, can it? Like we can really get pounded with stuff that comes at us. We can fall prey to stuff in this world that comes at us, whether it's physical, I mean, cancer, blindness, heart disease, dementia, arthritis, financial troubles, breakdown in marriage. I mean, we live in a fallen world, and life can really be tough sometimes. And many of you have had your share of loss and pain, some of you even recently. But can you imagine getting hit by those kinds of tragedies and having no real anchor for your life? Right? No knowledge of God, no confidence that God is at work in your life bringing the best out of every situation, no matter what happens. And so many people around us, so many people around Jesus had no sense of hope because they had no sense of God's goodness in their life. I think Jesus also noticed that they were harassed by religion. Jesus challenges the religious leaders around him later in Matthew's gospel, the very ones that should have been helping people find hope in God, about how instead they made people's lives more difficult with with their oppressive rules. Matthew 23, verse 4 says, They tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Verse 13 to 15 in the same chapter says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Wow. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. 
Wow. Religion of man is oppressive, folks. It harasses people because they fall into this belief that it's it's not about the grace of God. It's about how hard I try. It's how many rules I keep, how many brownie points I can earn with God. And if I just try a little harder, just try a little harder, and it keeps people in slavery to having to measure up. They were harassed by religion. And certainly, they were harassed by the enemy. This may have been the most prevalent problem that Jesus noticed. One that maybe we don't take seriously enough. But just like in Jesus' day when he went around healing and delivering people from demons, um, people today need deliverance. They need hope. They need, they need someone to step into their lives where they are trapped in sin and have no idea that they are slaves to the powers of darkness. Jesus went around delivering people, casting out demons, healing Freeing people. And that's no less true today. People around us are harassed by the enemy and they need freedom. They need hope. An important part of why people are harassed and feel trapped and beat up is because they are. Because that's what the enemy does. They're victims in an all-out war that is raging around them that they cannot see. People all around us, folks, are overtaken by demonic deception and lies, and they have no idea. The cultural confusion in our world right now is demonic. It is the harassing of the enemy. The fact that our children are being confused about whether I'm a boy or I'm a girl, it's demonic. And it's confusion that comes from the enemy. The anxiety and depression that has skyrocketed in our schools is demonic in origin. The enemy is out to destroy lives. He starts young and he fights hard. People are harassed and they are helpless because they don't know what's harassing them. Right? They can't, if the solution was just more information or more money, folks, we would have solved it by now. Right? Can we get more information out there? But the problem is spiritual, it's not informational, it's not financial, it is spiritual. People are harassed and they're helpless because they don't know what the problem is and they don't know their way out. 
They need a Savior. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think this comparison is really interesting. And when I read that again this week and spent some time with it, I thought, would it, wouldn't sheep without a shepherd just kind of, I mean, there's wild sheep out there. Wouldn't they just, they'd, they'd do all right, wouldn't they? Wouldn't, wouldn't they just get along, you know? Wouldn't they be fine? And then I did some research on domesticated sheep, right? And the reality is that humans humans have domesticated sheep for 7,000 years. And in that time, sheep farmers had, have bred out of domesticated sheep all of the characteristics that would make them candidates to survive in the wild. Because we've, we've bred them for specific things, right? So wild sheep shed their fur. Their wool doesn't accumulate on wild sheep because they shed their fur. But domesticated sheep were bred for wool production. And it doesn't come off. And it just keep, keeps growing. Imagine what that looks like, right? If nobody shears them. Nobody looks after them. It's literally uh, life-threatening for, for a sheep to not be sheared and taken care of. We've uh, Wild sheep are aggressive in nature. They will fight off predators, and they have finely tuned fight-or-flight instincts. But domesticated sheep have been bred to be docile, and they're unaware of the threats around them. David said he literally had to fight lions and bears to protect his sheep. Wild sheep are adjusted to harsh, rugged, mountainous conditions. Domesticated sheep are used to being pampered and protected from the weather and danger, and they're not suited to be out in the out in the storm, out in the cold. Wild sheep know how to find food, even when it's scarce. They know how to dig under rocks and find food. Domesticated sheep are used to being fed in a pasture or hay put in front of them. They're, they're used to being looked after, right? The point is, without a shepherd... A sheep has no hope of survival in the wild. This was already th the case in 700 B.C. when Isaiah wrote the words in Isaiah 53, We all like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. Sheep were known then for being completely unable to fend for themselves, and it's still the same today. So Jesus observed that many people were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Why do we do what we do at Evangel? Because there are people all around us as lost 
and as hurting as we once were. They're harassed by life. They're harassed by the empty promises of religion. And they're harassed by demons that war against their soul. They are helpless to find hope without a Savior, and they desperately need the shepherd to pull them out and give them direction and purpose. So at the end, we read to the end of chapter 9 in Matthew. Some of you have heard me say this before. Chapters, Matthew didn't put chapter numbers on his gospel. We stuck them in after. So sometimes we read to the end of a chapter and we stop and we're like, oh, that's the end of that story. But the very first verse in chapter 10 says, after Jesus had said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into his harvest, 10 verse 1 says Jesus called his, the 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. And then it says these 12 disciples Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus, after telling his disciples, look at, look at the people that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers. Now come here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you authority and anointing, and I'm going to send you to the lost sheep of Israel. You go. They were the answer to their own prayer that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into his harvest field. We are all workers in God's great harvest. We are all called to bring people in contact with the shepherd. It is he who can heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. But he chooses to do this through people who love him and who love people. Want to know what God's will for your life is? is to, it is to bring the kingdom of God to the harassed and the helpless ones. It is to preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. Now, I know welcoming people at the door, serving coffee, working in the sound room, counting the offering, helping at VBS, serving in different ways in this church might not feel like 
preaching the gospel, healing the sick, and driving out demons. First of all, let me say that the work that we do here on a Sunday to serve at church should not be the extent of the work that we do for Jesus, right? I mean, we're here for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. And then we go out into 166 and a half other hours in our week. And if the only time we're serving Jesus is when we're in this building, he has less than 1% of our hearts. We are called to live on mission. But the reality is that the things that we do here, the ways that we do serve here as we gather together, we do it hopefully because the way that we show hospitality to people and the things that we do here are to create an atmosphere where people can encounter the presence of God and be changed when they meet Jesus. Someone invited you at some point. Someone showed you hospitality. Someone loved and served and taught you so that you came to know Jesus. Let's be that someone for someone. Because folks, there are people all around us in the shallower region that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What are we going to do about it? We're going we're gonna to go on mission. We're going to serve Jesus every opportunity he gives us. And if this group of people will do that, I guarantee you it will shake this city. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. It is lunchtime. <laughs> and so we're going to pray. But we've received a challenge this morning. I know there are ways that the Lord is speaking to me about going to lost sheep differently. And I hope he's speaking to you this morning. I hope we can hear the heart of the shepherd that breaks for the harassed and helpless ones. So, Father, I thank you. Thank you for your amazing love. For the way that you, you are a God who is always on mission. You are at work in places we don't even know there are places. You are at work all around this region by your Holy Spirit. But you're calling us as men and women and young people of God to, to, to partner with you. That we would be an answer to our own prayer. 
for our city. We would love and serve in the name of Jesus, and we would see God's lives changed as we serve. God, I want to thank you this morning for every person who has served in some way in this church over the last year. God, I thank you for every hour that has been given. Every, every, every prayer that's been prayed. Every heart that is agonized over the lost and agonized over the, the, the immensity of the work to be done for the kingdom. That God, we would be encouraged today. We would be challenged to rise up and be the people you've called us to be. A force to be reckoned with in this city for the sake of your kingdom. I pray your anointing and blessing upon each called worker, which is all of us. That God, we would do what we do for your sake and in your authority. We pray it in Jesus' name. And Father, we just right now bless the food we're about to eat, bless our time together, bless our fellowship, bless our conversation. That, God, we would be encouraging to one another. That we would, uh, we would strengthen one another as we visit. Just pray your blessing on our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Let's eat. Let them eat burgers. <laughs>